Well, Happy New Year, River Glen. Wow, great to see you. Great to be here with all of you this morning. Big Happy New Year to all of you who are here in the room in Waukesha. Uh, I want to say a big Happy New Year to everyone who's watching online. I'm sure there's quite a few of you this morning. Uh, and of course, a double big Happy New Year to all my friends over in Pewaukee. I hope you guys are doing great. Man, I'm excited to be here. Excited to be here on this day with all of you. Uh, before we get into the message, though, I want to give a great big invitation to anyone and everyone to come to Welcome Brunch. Welcome Brunch is coming up in two weeks, and the big idea of Welcome Brunch is just simply this. It's a one-hour brunch where we feed you and we give you a free t-shirt, but more importantly, we talk about who we are as a church, why we do some of the things that we do, where we're headed in the next few years, and most importantly, how you can be a part of it. And so if you have never been to a Welcome Brunch before, if you're newer to River Glen, then you are invited. Love to have you be involved in this. Love to see you get more engaged here at the church this year. You can let us know that you're coming either on the uh, chairback card that's in front of you, or you can stop by the welcome table out in the lobby after service, and you can RSVP there. Love to have you get involved in that way. Well, yeah, let's get started. Happy New Year. What a day. The first day of a brand new year. So much excitement, right? So much anticipation. So much coffee, anybody? Somebody say amen, <laughs> right? Seriously though, I hope today feels like the start of a grand journey for you. And maybe it's been a long time since New Year's Day felt that way for you, so I hope you feel that way. Or at the very least, I hope you feel like today is just a blank page, right? Ready to be filled out as we get into this year. And if you think about this, all of us, we're all off to a pretty good start. I mean, think, you already have perfect church attendance this year. <laughs> Great job. Proud of you. <laughs> so the big question we want to answer today is just this. How can we make this year better than last year? How can we make 2023 better than 2022? If last year was tough for you, or maybe it was disappointing, or painful, or frustrating, or unfulfilling, if it was any of those things, how can we make this year better than last year? Or maybe last year was pretty good for you. Maybe you had a good year. If that's the case, good for you. How can we make this year maybe even your best year ever? That is what we want to look at today. And this whole energy, this whole excitement about the start of a new year is why a lot of people get excited about New Year's resolutions. How many of you have ever set a New Year's resolution before? Raise your hand. All right. How many of you have ever broken a New Year's resolution before? Raise your hand. If you're not raising your hand, you lie about other stuff too. Okay. <laughs> I'm just as guilty. I did a little research on this, and it wasn't difficult to find the top 10 most popular New Year's resolutions. All right, this is coast to coast, all people from all backgrounds, all ages, the 10 most popular things that people set a New Year's resolution for on this day. Probably none of these will surprise you. Let me know if any of these inspire you. Here they are up on the screens. Exercise more, lose some weight, those two kind of go hand in hand probably, right? Get organized, learn a new skill or hobby, live life to the fullest. I just like that one, that just sounds cool. Save more money, spend less money. Again, those I think kind of go hand in hand. Quit smoking, spend more time with family and friends, travel more or read more. Not a bad list, huh? Anything on there inspiring to you? Well, let me ask you this question. If is anything on that list that if you did it, would make this year better than last year? Maybe, maybe not, right? Some good stuff on there. Let me ask you a big question. What's missing on that list? If you had to look at it, there's a glaring omission, something I would say is critically important. If you know what it is, call it out. If you're watching online, you can put it in the chat. What's missing from that list? 
there's nothing on there about faith, right? Where's faith on that list? There's nothing there about building our relationship with God or stepping into his mission or developing the gifts he's given us to better serve our community or our families. Where's the faith, right? And now an even bigger question. Let's just agree, right? Let's just agree that faith should be on the list. Where does it go? Right? If that's in order, if that's the top 10, where should it, is it number seven? Does it crack the top five? Right? How important is faith to you, really? That's the question. And preparing for this message, I read a great book, a challenging book, but a great book by author and pastor Kyle Eidelman. It's called Not a Fan. And if you're looking for a great book to start off this new year, I want to encourage you to read it, but I'll give you a warning. It's a tough book. It's a challenging book in the best possible way. In this book, the author talks about, he lays out a challenge that faith should not only be on our list, it should be the main thing on our list. And when we make it the main thing, that decision changes everything. He sets the tone for the book right in the opening chapters, and he says this, my concern is that many of the churches in America have gone from being sanctuaries to being stadiums. And every week, the fans come to cheer for Jesus, but have no interest in truly following him. Those are some challenging words, right? What he's saying there is that if we want to be followers of Jesus, then faith not only needs to be on our list, it needs to be the number one thing on our list. And that decision will impact every other area of our lives. And here's why this idea today is so important, especially on a day like today. Because if nothing changes, nothing changes. Ever heard that before? Nothing changes, nothing changes. If we do nothing different this year than we did last year, then this year is probably going to look a lot like last year, and we'll all be back here a year from today having this same conversation. But they also say if something changes, everything changes. And so in our time together today, i got to ask, what if? What if the next 12 months could be totally different than the last 12 simply by making our faith more than something we do just for an hour on Sundays? We're going to look at a couple examples in Scripture of some individuals who had that exact challenge handed to them. If you brought a Bible with you this morning, we are going to be in the book of Luke. That's the third book in the New Testament. It goes Matthew, Mark, and Luke. If you have your YouVersion Bible app and you want to highlight this passage as we go along, we're going to be in Luke chapter 9. We're also going to put up the words on the screens here. A little bit of context for you for this passage. Uh, Jesus is full swing into his ministry at this point, and he's traveling from town to town. He's sharing the good news of the gospel. He's healing people. And along the way, he meets individuals, and he invites them to be his disciples. He invites them to follow him. We're going to take a look at a couple of those. First one is in Luke chapter 9, verses 59 and 60. He says this, he said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first, let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, a little bit of context here. In first century Jewish culture, a funeral was a really big deal. Some families would spend an entire year in mourning for the loss of a loved one, especially someone as important as a father. Now, Jesus knows this. And he also knows that a lot of us, myself included, tend to prioritize our families above everything else. And while that seems like it's not a bad thing, Jesus is challenging that at the very least, our faith should be ahead of that. Our faith needs to be even more important than our families. Now, I know before, that's a tough statement, so before you rebel on me, let me say, there are dozens and dozens and dozens of verses all throughout Scripture that talk about and direct us 
and command us and teach us how to love our families and honor our families and care for our families and lead our families. So this is not a be cold to our families kind of passage. Jesus is just simply saying that faith comes first. Our faith comes first. And when we do that, we will do all those other things with loving and caring for our family. The difference is, and this is the big difference, do we love and care for our families because of our faith or instead of our faith? Do they compete with each other or do they complement each other? You guys tracking with me? Has the coffee kicked in yet? <laughs> right? That's what we're talking about. Next set of passages gives another example. This is Luke chapter 9, next to 61 and 62. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for, the service, fit for service in the kingdom of God. So again, second example, Jesus meets someone, invites him to follow him. The guy's interested. I think it's important to point out, he's interested. He's not resistant. He's like, yeah, Jesus, it's a big deal. I, I, I'll get into this. But he's not willing to make faith his priority. He's not willing to put it at the top of his list. And again, Jesus is just saying, if faith goes anywhere, faith goes first. And I know what some of you are thinking, because I know I can feel some of, the, some, some of the tension in the room. A lot of us would say, hey, I agree. Faith is definitely one of my priorities. It's one of my priorities. Again, did a little, did a little research on this, a little fun fact for you. If, you. if you dive into, if you double click on the word priority and study the etymology of that word, the etymology of that word actually prevents it from being plural. You can't make the word priority plural. We do it all the time, but to, to be true to the word, you can't. What makes a priority a priority, what gives it its value is that it stands above, or it stands ahead, or it stands out above everything else. To do anything less would be to dilute its value. You can't have more than one priority. We can have other things in our lives, of course, but faith needs to come first. That's the point he's making. So now compare those two stories with our third story we're going to look at. This is in the book of Matthew, if you want to turn there. Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. It says, it says, Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets, and they followed him. Do you see the difference in that passage? You see the difference in Peter's response. He, he didn't have a competing priority. He didn't have anything else on his list. He left everything at once and put Jesus first. Now, I like this story in particular just because I like Peter. If you follow any time or you, you follow the Gospels in any way, Peter is one of my favorites because Peter is the most relatable, I think, to all of us because he was just a regular guy. He was not some superstar. He was not some, you know, Ivy League, you know, superhero guy. He's just a regular guy. He had a job, right? He had a family. He had friends, probably had a mortgage, right? He had his life in order. And then he made the critical decision at the invitation of Jesus to put Jesus at the top of that order. And that one decision changed everything. Peter had an unbelievable life. He got a front row seat to Jesus' ministry. He got to hear all the teachings. He got to watch all the miracles for, for three years. He lived an incredible life because he chose to put faith first. But that's not even the real reason I love Peter. That's not the biggest reason I think we can relate to him. The biggest reason is that Peter was far from perfect. Anybody else here far from perfect? Anyone else here ever made a mistake? 
Peter made tons of mistakes, right? That's why I think I, I can relate to him the most. Like me, Peter liked to use his mouth before he used his brain. <laughs> and it got him in a lot of trouble. My wife would say I'm guilty of that. I think she just said amen from Pewaukee, right? And Peter also had a temper. You read some of the stories in the Gospels, he had a temper. And again, I can relate to that. In fact, all four Gospels, all four stories of Jesus' life record Peter's biggest failure, his biggest mistake. There was one point where he actually denied his faith altogether. He turned his back on Jesus. Right? Hard to make a worse mistake than that. But here's what's awesome. That moment wasn't the end of Peter's story. After Jesus' resurrection, Peter became such a powerful evangelist that there was, there was a, a moment in Scripture where he gave a sermon that was so powerful, 3,000 people decided to follow Jesus and get baptized in one day. That's a, that's a pretty powerful transformation, right? So think about this. If Peter can blow it that bad in his faith and then turn around to put faith first and go on and have an impact like that, there's, news, there's hope for all of us. Am I right? So here's the point. Here's the point in the stories we looked at today. We looked at three people. Three people were given an invitation to follow Jesus. The first two said yes, right? They were interested. They said yes, but they were not willing to put their faith first. They were not willing to make their faith the most significant commitment in their life, and that is the last we heard from them. Those two individuals have disappeared into antiquity. We'll never know who they were. We'll never know what they did. They'll be anonymous forever. But the third person, Peter, he was given that invitation. He said yes, and he chose to put his faith first. He chose to make his relationship with Jesus the most significant relationship in his life. And even though he made mistakes, right, even though he was not perfect, God did unbelievable things in him, and he did unbelievable things through him. And you and me, we're all different today. The world is different today because of him. And here's the good news for all of us. On this day in history, right, January 1st, 2023, here's the best news I have for all of us. You and me, everybody watching online, all my friends over in Pewaukee, we have all been given that very same invitation. The same invitation Peter and the other two were given have been given to us. And I believe, I want to suggest to you that this invitation is how we're going to make this year better than last year. And for some of you, you're going to have the best year you've ever had by accepting this invitation and making the decision to put your faith first this year. To put your faith first and see how that one decision changes everything. If you're looking for an easy way to remember this, something to just kind of have in, in your mind as we kick off this year, write this one down, stick it on your fridge. It's just simply this. When faith comes first in all that we do, everything changes and you will become new. When faith comes first in all we do, everything changes and you'll become new. So in the time that we have left this morning, I just want to talk about what does it look like? What does it look like to put our faith first? Well, the most convenient terms most simplest definition, it just means to make some changes. You ever heard the phrase, if you only do what you've always done, you'll only be what you've always been. If you only do what you've always done, you'll only be what you've always been. So if we're going to do this, then we're going to have to make some changes. In the book, Not a Fan, again, the author says it so clearly. He says, it's much easier to speak about following Jesus when you're making a general statement without any specific commitments. But the most obvious and basic definition of following Jesus will mean making some significant life changes. So what kind of changes are we talking about? I think the first change is to let your faith define you. 
Get to the point where you let your faith define you. My wife and I, uh, we have roots here in the Midwest, but we spent decades out on the West Coast. If you've ever been to the West Coast, it's an interesting culture thing. When you meet someone on the West Coast, the first question they always ask is, so what do you do? What do you do? Because career and status and accomplishment have been elevated to such a high place, there it becomes the most defining and important thing about you. So when you meet somebody new, it's always, so what do you do? Here, here in the Midwest, we don't say that. We say it different. We say, so where are you from? I think that's just because we want to make sure you're not from Illinois. I'll get an email about that one, I'm sure. <laughs> if you're from Illinois, Jesus loves you too. It's okay. But seriously, you guys know this. Our culture says that our status and our accomplishments are what define us. You've experienced this. You know people who live this way. This is why you hear things like, well, my career comes first, or my kids come first, or my happiness comes first, because our culture will say that our status and our accomplishments and our net worth are the most defining things about us. Or if you go on the complete opposite side of the spectrum, right? Cancel culture. Cancel culture will tell you that you are not defined by your success or your accomplishments. Instead, you are defined by your biggest mistake or your biggest failure. And that will hang on to you for the rest of your life and you'll never be free from the guilt and shame that come from that mistake. I just wanna suggest that we are defined by something far more significant than our successes or our failures. And I want you to think about this with me for a second. Just think about this. If the God we believe in is real and the Bible we read is true, then our relationship with that God through the context of what we read in scripture has to be the most unbelievable, outstanding, incredible thing about us, right? What could be more significant about who we are than our relationship with the God of the universe? It's incredible. Again, the author of the book says it's so good. He says, I am a follower of Jesus. No mistake I've ever made and no success I've ever had says as much about me as that. And when I embrace that identity and I understand that a follower is who I am, then following is what I will do. So I just want to suggest the very first way we can put our faith first is to get to the point where we let our faith be the number one thing that defines us. We can be defined by other things, but the most important, most significant thing about us is our relationship with God. Or think of it like this. Who we are is clear because of whose we are. Does that make sense? Still with me? All right. So the first way we're going to put our faith first is let faith define you. The second way is to let your faith describe you. Get to the point where you let your faith describe you. As a pastor, I have attended a lot of funerals. Right, it's part of my job. At a funeral, the family and friends get together and they talk about, they describe the person who's passed away. It's always fascinating to me to hear how people are described after they're gone. And it's usually pretty easy to tell whether the person who has passed lived a life of faith or not. Now, the Apostle Paul, in a letter in the first century, gave us a description of what life looks like when you put your faith first. He says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is what a life looks like. That is how you describe someone 
who puts their faith first. Now, I know none of us have fully arrived at that list yet, right? None of us are acing that whole thing. But here's what's incredible. When we put our faith first, it gives God permission to start working on us to make us look like that list so that someday that list will actually describe us. That's what's incredible about this. And step by step, he will get us there. So when you think about that list, what's something on that list that you need to work on? Because we've all got something, right? I do too. What's something on that list that you'd say you need a little work on? Maybe this year for you, it's joy. Maybe you need to work on your kindness a little bit, right? Maybe faithfulness is the thing for you this year. One easy way to start moving closer to that list is just to simply pray about it. And I'll share with you how I do this. A prayer that I pray almost every single day is just this, God, please make me into the man you need me to be to do the things you need me to do. Make me into the man you need me to be to do the things you need me to do. That's something you can start praying today and begin to let God work on you. He is so faithful, step by step, He'll spend the rest of your life working on you. Now, a lot of us, a lot of people will, will, will pick a word for the year. I don't know if you've ever done this. I've done this the last four years. It's been great. You pick a word for the year that becomes kind of your theme, your catalyst, or for some, your battle cry for the year. Maybe this year you pick one of the things off that list, and that becomes your word. Either way, putting your faith first is putting yourself in a position to let your faith describe you. Let God change you into the person he needs you to be to do the things he needs you to do. So first, we let our faith define us. Second, we let our faith describe us. The third way to put our faith first is to let your faith direct you. Let your faith direct you. This, <laughs> this is where we move from being passive in our faith to being active in our faith. This is the point where we let our faith propel us out of just sitting in a seat for an hour on Sunday mornings. This is where we get in the game, right? Jesus himself had some pretty strong words for people who have passive faith. This is in the book of Revelation, chapter 3. It says this, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You see how, how tough those words are. Jesus is actually saying it's better to be cold in our faith and walk away completely than it is to just be passive. And just sit there and not let it affect you or direct you. And so putting faith first this year for you might just mean getting active. Getting active in your faith. Getting in the game. If you look in the seat back in front of you, you will see one of these little red cards. Please pull it out now. Put this in your hand and take a look at this. Flip it to the back and look at these, what we call the three C's. If you're online right now, or your online host... We'll direct you in this part. If you've been coming to River Glen for any amount of time, hopefully you've heard us talk about these three things. All right, these are the three C's. This is what it looks like to actively follow Jesus here at River Glen. And you guys, the heart of our church is, to, is this for every single person. We would love to see every single person engaging in these three things. And so for you this year, letting faith direct you, getting active in your faith could be as simple as doing one of these things. All right, for some of you, the very first step for you to put faith first is to make the most important decision in your life, and that is to make the decision to be a follower of Jesus, to come just as you are, to say, God, I'm all yours this year. I've tried it on my own. I'm sick of that. I want to do it your way and put your faith in Jesus. And if that's you, I 
Praise God. We are so happy for you. We are so excited for you. We'd love to celebrate that with you. Please check that box and let us know that you've made that decision. For others, it might be getting baptized only on your terms. Or it could be just as simple as coming to Welcome Brunch and finding out a little bit more about what we're doing in the church and how you can get more involved. You can check any of those boxes and let us know that. For others of you, putting your faith first right, and getting active will be finally connecting in a group. Good news, month of January, all of our groups kick off. And we have groups for almost everyone at almost any place in your faith journey, right? For some of you who are just starting out, we've got groups for that. For some of you who have been doing this a long time, we've got groups for that. If you want some help in a specific area, we've probably got a group for that. You can check that box. We'll get in touch with you, and we can help you choose a group to connect to this year. For others, it might mean just jumping into contributing in your faith. And that might mean joining one of our amazing serving teams, or joining us as we get out in the community this year and serve out in our community, or for some, even on the other side of the world. For some of you, contributing is going to be joining the mission of our church to make more and better followers of Jesus. And you can do that by inviting people to come with you every Sunday you're here. There's probably an empty seat next to you or near you. You can join the mission by inviting someone to fill that seat with you each weekend. All right, you can check any of these boxes here and let us know how you want to get active in your faith. You can drop this on the offering box on your way out or take it to the welcome table at either campus after service, and we would love to get you involved and get you active in your faith. When faith comes first in all that you do, everything will change, and you will become new. That is a promise, and that is our hope for you this year. Before we go, we wrap up the last few minutes here. I want to share with you just one more way you can put your faith first this year. Some of you might want to try this. Some of you have heard this before, right? This is going to be, for many of you, the most practical, right? But at the same time, the most powerful. And it's just simply making the commitment to read our Bibles. We all know this is important, right? Of course we do. We just let other things get in the way. I read one study that said 57% of Americans say the Bible is important, but read it less than four times a year. We can do better than that, right? Of course we can. Of course we can. Now, my whole life I've heard about people who wake up a little bit early every day and spend the first part of their day with God. Most people call this like a devotional time. Usually includes some kind of a reading plan, maybe a little bit of journaling, and then of course some time in prayer. Now, some people, maybe you know some, some people are really, really good at this. I read a story about a Tibetan monk who has gotten up early and prayed in the same place at the same time every day for 20 years. His feet have actually left imprints in the wooden floor of the temple where he prays. I just think that's pretty cool, right? Hashtag faith goals right there. Some people are superstars at this. Most of us, though, most of us just need about 10 or 15 minutes at our kitchen table every single day. And again, I always thought this was a good idea. I just always thought sleep was a better one. (laughs) Maybe you can relate with me on that. But then one year, I decided to try it. I was in the middle of a year from hell. And I mean that literally. It It was awful. I had financial crisis happening. I had career crisis happening. I had multiple relationships in crisis, and on top of all that, in the middle of the year, my dad died. I mean, it was awful. I remember there was one point I was sitting in my counselor's office, just getting all this off my chest, and I told him, I don't want to take my own life, but I can understand why people do. 
It got that dark. Now, some of you will remember there's an old Christian song called Step by Step. It's an oldie but a goodie. And there's a line in that song that says, I will seek you in the morning, talking about God. I will seek you in the morning, and I will learn to follow your ways, and step by step you'll lead me. Now, those words were inspiring to me at a time when I really, really needed to be inspired. I was so desperate for hope and for direction that I figured, I'll try anything. I had nothing left to lose. And so I said, I'm going to conduct an experiment. For one week, seven days, I'm going to wake up 10 minutes early, and I'm going to spend the first part of my day with God and just see what happens, right? Got a reading plan, got a journal, got my Bible, got my place at the table. One week. If it sucked, I could stop. If it helped, I could continue. But I was going to do it just to see what happened. And so I did. Every day for one week. And guess what happened? Nothing. Externally, that is. Right? On the outside, nothing happened. All the fires in my life were still burning. Some of them got worse. But inside, everything changed. Everything started to change. My perspective on things changed. My attitude started to change. Right? Slowly but surely, some of my sharp edges got rounded off, and I began little steps to look like that list that we talked about earlier. But most importantly, for me anyways, this was my experience, most importantly, I just finally felt closer to God than I have ever felt in my life. Because I knew that no matter what happened today, tomorrow morning, God was going to be there. And nothing that happened in my life was going to surprise him or threaten him. He would be there every morning without fail. And I needed that. I needed that faithfulness in my life. And I began to feel closer to him than I've ever felt before. Now that experiment was four years ago. And I still today wake up 10 minutes early and spend the first part of my day with God. I just never stopped. It has become the way I start my day. I don't know if you can see this on my coffee mug. This is how I start it. Jesus and coffee. I mean, what else do you need, right? I couldn't imagine, I'm not saying this with any hyperbole, I, I couldn't imagine starting my day any other way. And you guys, I really couldn't imagine getting through the last two years that we've all had to endure without this discipline in my life. And so for me, putting my faith first is spending the first part of my day with God. Some days it's five minutes, some days it's 15, most days it's somewhere in between. If this is something you'd like to do, we would love to help you. Maybe this is how you're going to put your faith first this year, to start spending the first part of your day with God. We'd love to help you in this. If you stop by our Welcome Center at either of our campuses or talk to your online host, we've got a Bible we can give you. We've got reading plans we can share with you, tons of other resources. I mean, this is, this is what we do as a church to help you grow in your faith. We'd love to do that for you. When faith comes first in all you do, everything will change and you will become new. I pray that for you guys. I pray that this is the year that you let your faith define you that you let your faith describe you, that you let your faith direct you. I pray this for you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your power. Thank you, God, that you are reliable. That when we make the decision to put you first, you are unfailing. 
in thousands and thousands and thousands of years of history, you have never failed. You've never not shown up. You are always there and you are always full of love and grace and power and wisdom. And so, Lord, our prayer this morning is just to tap into a little bit of that. I pray for every person who's listening right now, every person here in the room, every person in Pewaukee, everyone watching online. I pray for every one of us, Lord, that you would help us to put you first this year. Help us to see what that means and looks like in a way that would be powerful, that you would show your presence and your power and your wisdom in our lives. God, I pray revival this year starts in our hearts and goes from there. God, thank you for your love and your grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.